0: This episode is brought to you by our partnership with Kelly Education. So let's start with a little step. Let's start there. Let's have our paper every day. Let's do this every day. Let's and then once you've meet that goal, you get to another. It's like having a conversation about losing weight. I want to lose a bunch of weight. It's not gonna happen overnight. Right. I didn't give it overnight. <laughs> yeah. You know? But I can set little goals. That's right. I can change little things. And once you get a student to realize it's the little things that add up to the big, it makes a huge difference.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Ignite Project Podcast. And today I'm with a math teacher, which is like after my own heart. I always love there's something special about math teachers. All teachers are special, but really I'm a little biased. Um, But Joanne, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so happy that you could be here for our um, episode today. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Um, So, math teacher, Auburndale High, can you tell me a little bit about your background and how you got to be at Auburndale? Well, I
0: started at, um, went to USF. I'm a graduate of Lakeland High School, so I am a Polk County graduate. Yeah. Um, Graduated in 1995, actually had someone here at the school board uh, put my name out, got hired by Mr. Landeret his last year there. And I was at Auburndale for six years, decided to move to Ohio for a couple of years. I've been back in Polk County. This is working on my 10th year and I've been back at Auburndale for the last almost seven So So you have got some history with Auburndale. Yes, I have actually had every single principal since Bill Laundere. So a little bit of each of their years. (laughs) Brings you some perception. and Perception. Yeah, I love that.
1: Um, So you are a teacher uh, with geometry, geometry honors, and liberal arts. Yes.
0: And this is our first year bringing back liberal arts. It's because we saw that there was a huge gap between the students Mm. because of the 18 months of COVID-living teaching, actually. So we brought in liberal arts as a buffer for those students who didn't meet their Algebra 1 EOC and before they took geometry. So we could get that test component out of the way or build up their math skills so that hopefully next year when they do go into geometry, that they'll have a little bit more success and feel more grounded and back to the way things were two years ago.
1: I like that you... I don't know if it's you in general or just the system has recognized that because I think they're. you know, we look back and I was a teacher and in my 10th year when COVID had just hit. So I was finishing up that school year. So we talk about all the time in teacher engagement, how we lean into our teachers and our colleagues to share their stories because we have not experienced it ourselves. But based on that data, there's a chunk of time that these kids have missed. Oh, and so huge. to be able to bridge that gap and provide a little bit of that um, stepping stone for success is is really major. Um, I really want to focus on this topic first about mathematics and teaching math. Um, The fact that I get to be in front of a high school math teacher is um, I'm geeking, geeking out a little bit. But what really cultivated such a passion for you to teach math um, when most people find it an incredibly
0: intimidating subject? Well, I got lucky when I was at USF studying special ed, actually. You had a choice. You Mm -hmm. could do reading, which I love to read. Yeah. But I like to read for fun. Yeah. Or math. Mm -hmm. And math was easy to me. So I did the math focused of special ed. Okay. So even though when you're becoming a special ed teacher, you have to be across the gamut, because you could be in an English class or a science class or social studies, my main focus was math. And I got blessed that back then they still did self-contained. And when I got hired, it was to be a self-contained math teacher. However, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, I went on maternity leave in year three. Mm -hmm. And my principal then was Mr. Partain, and the district had a plan where special ed teachers could get their math certification. And somehow they liked my sub during my um, pregnancy, And hired her for my position, and a teacher had retired. And they're like, you have great classroom discipline. Boom, put you in here. Let's get you
1: going. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm
0: out of certification. they're like, no, the district will pay for this, this, and this. So I got my five through nine. That's
1: amazing.
0: And then a couple of years ago, the district had the same plan, and I got my six through 12. So I'm actually six through 12, K through 12. K through twelve special ed. You're like a diamond. in the Like you were. I don't rare like thinking it that gym. way. I don't like thinking about it that way. But yeah, I mean, and for me, math comes a little easy. Mm-hmm. Now, don't ask me to explain some pre-Calc topics. <laughs> I will defer to my colleagues at the school who are amazing at it. Um, not calc any close. Statistics, if we want to talk yeah. baseball and stats, we're good. Um, but what I do, I'm Good at right. At least I've been told.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and that's that kind of goes into um, what we were talking about with your administrator and why you're recommended. Is that you were given this recommendation of you are an out of the box thinker and the way you communicate and work with your students. So um, with that background in you know special education and then you're working with math. How has that kind of helped you navigate the waters when you're trying to engage these high schoolers with the type of math that you're teaching? um, Based Basically, how have you gone through and learned important lessons in order to teach these students? Because I can, a typical high schooler isn't going to be super excited over the top, over the moon about walking in your
0: class. Well, one of the best things that I think the special ed focus does mm. is that you learn about where students plateau. You learn mm. about scaffolding really well. Yeah. So I think what he likes to see is that I know how to scaffold and not just scaffold like Here's point A, here's point B, here's point C. But, okay, if this is where I need the students to right. be, in fourth grade, what did they do? In fifth grade, what did they do? In seventh grade, what did they mm. do? Especially like my ninth graders who are sitting in my geometry class. Yeah. I know that they, in their seventh grade math class, fourth quarter, when they should have been learning their geometry topics, <laughs> they were at home on a computer. Yeah. So I know that. And so I know that I have to work that in somehow, that there's gaps between the kids. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that my principal and the school in general has always been allowed me to do is that they'll give, I'll have an array of students Mm -hmm. from your special ed to your ESOL to your access child in one of my regular geometry classes. And when you walk into my class, my goal as a teacher is you can't tell who's who. That's crazy. That's crazy awesome. (laughs) That's because I have honest conversations with my students. And I've had had to have a lot more in liberal arts. So that's actually been a real eye opener for me. Because you have these students who've never grasped integers, Mm -hmm. who've never grasped this is the X squared button on a calculator. Right. You know, and I take them back to where they're at. And my goal is to say, okay, I may need you to do compound transformations, but hold on, wait, you never caught on to graphing correctly. Mm -hmm. So when you graph correctly, I make sure I point out, wow, look, hey, yeah, we're not quite where I need you to be right now, but you didn't confuse graphing with slope. Right. You did left to right first, not up and down. And we celebrate that success. And like a girl that today in class, she actually said, one more step. One more step, I'm getting closer. And we were working on the quadratic equation and she's actually got the quadratic equation down. She's got where to substitute and how mm-hmm. to substitute, but she confuses just slightly at the end if she has an extra negative. Yeah. And for her it's pushing buttons on a calculator. Yeah. I know with this young lady that she may never able to crunch three integer numbers in her head. Mm-hmm. But if I can give her a tool that she right. can use on a test, especially when she takes her ACT, yeah. You know, And that she can do it proficiently yeah why not give her that ability right you know but for me to get there i got to get the students to see that it's time to stop using photo math yeah oh my gosh yes i've heard about this (laughs) i love photo math and i even tell the students there's a time and a place to use it right and like a student the other day he came in with a piece of paper one problem done i said okay you got one done And he looked at me, he goes, I photomathed one, you said we can do that, it made no sense. And I said, good, now let's go through and look right. at my example and what photomath told you. And we walk through it, Yeah. and he was like, oh, wait a second, I just do this? And I'm yeah. like, yes. And he's like, why did they do all this <laughs> then? And I said, so that math teacher like me knows that X is an X and not a time symbol. right. Because yeah. that's what photo math does. <laughs> Hopefully no students are watching this. Yeah. Because that's how all teachers can tell right. when a student's used PhotoMath. Right. They use X's and extra parentheses and all this extra yeah. pencil. Like I tell the students you're gonna use a lot of pencil lead. I'm not. Right. <laughs> so let's show you my way first. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and it sounds like, number one, I hear you say repeatedly, you have to know your students. Right? You have to. You have to know where they're trying to go, where they're at, in order to build that scaffold for them. Yes. Um, and also into being constant communication. So we, we like to bring back, obviously with COVID, like you and I, Two separate op- opposite ends. Like you have been through it, and I started, you know, I ended a chapter to, of teaching right got when it started. You to see the little bit. Yeah, but the you snippet. didn't get to see what has happened exactly. because of it. so So i get it for sure i'm more curious about you've got all of these different conversations that need to happen when you're building relationships and scaffolding how do you do that especially during an opportunity where you have kids who were maybe present during covid or maybe not present during covid and they're in all these different
0: places how do you handle a math class that has those elements so i not, not now. I can tell you just about any student mm-hmm. in my class where they're at because I've built that up over a 25-year career. Right. However, when I first started, I had a teacher who told me, give every student a folder, okay. and they're multicolored. Okay. So you get one of those rainbow things of colors. Right. And I'm going to give all my students who get extended time a blue folder. Mm. I'm going to give all my students who get something red to them a green folder. I'm going to give all my other students all the other colors if I have it. If I have a ESOL kid, he's going to be a color, but maybe another student in the class is also going to get the same color, but I know he's also not an ESOL student. So you have this array of colors in the room, Mm -hmm. and in the inside of the folder, I can write a note about that student. And I can be like, hey, remember, you get extended time. Hey, you remember, I can read something to you. Or yeah. you can ask to test in a different room. Mm-hmm. Um, or so that when they get their test or an activity or something, right. all they have is this folder with a paper in it. And my access kid could be working on a third grade level. Right. Um, like we're doing congruent shapes mm-hmm. right now. And I shouldn't say congruent shapes <laughs> because we're doing triangle congruency in the geometry topic. Right. And my ultimate goal is that they're proficient with proofs. Okay. That's the ultimate goal. My access child is not going to be doing right. a proof. Right. Now, will he be taking the notes when my students take the, pr- take the notes? Mm-hmm. Yes. However, I do need him to be able to look at congruent figures and be able right. to know the difference between similar and congruent. And maybe not the word congruent, but the word same for him. Mm-hmm. So I would write on a little sticky note, congruent equals same. And while he's doing his independent activity, yeah. he can reference that Word, while I'm maybe across the room working with someone else. Now, I don't have to use the folders. I have used them. It has been so successful in the past. (laughs) But, you know, who... But that's old school, too. You know, teachers nowadays who are more proficient with Excel, it'd be really easy to make an Excel Mm -hmm. spreadsheet, put it based on your seating chart. And if no one knows that in your seating chart, you can put little text boxes Mm -hmm. on your seating chart. So when my principal comes in, if I hand him my seating chart, you can see these four students are doing an independent assignment because they've already had geometry Mm -hmm. and they're repeating my class. They've already taken their EOC. they've already not done well, but they need the credit to graduate. They've met their testing requirement. So while I'm having them do this, Mm -hmm. it's independent, they can work, they ask me questions, But that's this side of the room Mm -hmm. if i have a student who needs a little extra on this you can put a little blurb box on it and that actually gives you some brownie points (laughs) in your observations right but there's a lot of different ways that you can track what you're doing with your students and that you're scaffolding but the big thing I have found, you got to get the students to believe it. Yeah. you got them to invest because as soon as they invest in it, mm-hmm. they'll remind you right. of what they can and can't have and where they're at. Mm. And like this one kid the other day, he was doing so great, I completely and totally forgot. I'm like, wow, okay, <laughs> check that off. We're on to the next step. He goes, right. I got it. You know, but you got to have those meaningful conversations. Yeah. You know, and some kids at the end of the day, it might be the first time someone's ever talked mm-hmm. to them about how they learn and where they're at and where they want to go meaningfully. Yeah. You know, like I had a student the other day, she wants, goal wants to be a doctor. My sister is a doctor. And I'm like, this is what my sister recommends. There's already you know? a connection there. That yes. You can kind of lean or into. Or you want to mm-hmm. do this. Yeah. So tell me why you're going to skip pre-calc in two years. Yeah.
1: That part, you know, I really love that that connection between you're building the relationship with the students through conversation. But not only that, you're you're understanding where each child is at, and then when they recognize where they're at and where they're headed, especially the student that might be done with the assignment. Mm-hmm. It's not just okay, you've you've accomplished your tasks, you're in compliance, but you move forward. Here's the next thing that I can you know give you to heighten your understanding and your success, and all of that intertwines together. And the fact that you have that in a class where somebody could walk in and I have no clue where each student is at academically and I think that's that's something that's so beautiful and magical sometimes when I don't know where their access point student is and I don't know where the student who's done and is ready to move on and you know they can either collaborate together or they can just be heightened with that learning um biggest thing is you know with your years of success um, and doing all of these strategies building these toolkits for these kids what advice would you give to someone who may be either starting off in teaching high school math or starting off and trying to reach those high expectations and getting those kids to be at that point where they're gonna have open conversations with you what advice would you give to them you got to talk
0: to the students. Yeah. I mean, that's first thing. And, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you can even start, like, learning who's on the baseball team and who's on this and who's not. Or, hey, you were out the last couple of days, everything okay at home. Mm-hmm. You know, little things like that. you got to get them to invest in wanting to be in your room, mm-hmm. especially nowadays because they've already had – I mean, some of these kids didn't even step foot in a classroom last year. They did it all behind a computer screen. Yeah. So – that's the first thing. And once I'm lucky, I've been at the school long mm-hmm. enough, I, I've taught second generation. <laughs> um, and I have, yeah, I've taught some interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm on my second generation, and I have so a cool. good rapport mm-hmm. with the students, and I have a history. You could go in the cafeteria and gripe about me, and someone's going to be like, what, her? <laughs> so I already have that established. Right. You, as a person, have to find out where you want to be at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, so what is your ultimate goal? Is my goal to have the highest EOSC scores in the district? Of course. Right. However, i got to build this with the students yeah. and figure out where they're at. And I learned a couple years ago. My first year back at the high school level, I was put into an Algebra one class. It was 25 students five students who were on 504, everyone else who was special ed. It was kind of an experiment. Wow. Um, I had no one pass the EOC. Mm. It destroyed me. However, I had nine students pass Pert that year. Okay. And I had almost 100% learning gains in the class. And I had an honest conversation with my assistant principal at the time. Mm-hmm. And she's like, why are you so focused on no one got a three? Mm-hmm. I'm like, God, that looks awful. Yeah, because no, we're really... so,
1: like... I guess, regimented to see that and, and feel like
0: that's how effective we are. And she made me see mm-hmm. that this kid went from a 1 to a high 2 and missed it by a couple of questions. And this kid yeah. went from a 425, which we all know in math is the dead score. Yes. <laughs> the kid didn't try. Yeah. They fell asleep on the test. They logged mm-hmm. in. Okay? However, a kid who got a 491, Yeah. there was some effort into that. And she's like, he went from that to that. Mm-hmm. You got to stop judging yourself by an EOC number. And right. as soon as I stopped doing that and started looking at the students as a individual, yeah, and be like, "There's a lot more to this than just passing a test on a two day." Right. And, right. I mean, that's what it boils down to: is that we're getting judged based on two days. Mm-hmm. And if they got in a fight with their boyfriend before it, and their dad and mom are getting divorced the then night before, it. they're going to be wrecked on that test. <laughs> not necessarily. It depends on what their mindset is. True. Very because true. Because you've seen the kid who's been homeless. There's mm-hmm. movies on lifetime and all kinds of things. The kid who's been homeless who's now a yeah. doctor and a lawyer and right. writing a book. Right. You know? And I'm and we got kids we don't just know what yeah. happened, you know. So the thing is, is it's all about their mindset. And if between now and that test I can get it in their head that they can answer X amount of questions yes. correct. Whether it's the ACT or SAT or what their goal is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I was talking to a student the other day. You wanna do this. Okay, so what's your first step? Mm-hmm. Well, I wanna do this. I said, no, 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 no. What's your first step? Mm-hmm. You're telling me you wanna go to college, so let's talk about what you don't do. Yeah. You don't have your paper every day, you don't mm-hmm. even put your last name on the paper. How do I know you're proud of this paper mm-hmm. if you can't put first and last name? Wow, well, yeah. It's and so he, good. like, looked at me like I was, like, crazy. crazy. Yeah. And I said, so let's start with a little step. Let's start there. Let's have our paper every day. Let's do this every day. Let's, and then once you have meet that goal, you get to another. It's like having a conversation about losing weight. I want to lose a bunch of weight. It's not going to happen overnight. Right. I didn't give it overnight. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I can set little goals. That's right. I can change little things. And once you get a student to realize it's the little things mm-hmm. that add up to the big, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And we don't concentrate on the little enough. You know, it's always about the end result, this test, this, right. that, that. No, it's about this is where you're at for point A. I'm going to get you to A point 1, A point 2, A point 3. Then we're at B. Eventually, we'll get to Z, <laughs> like the Amazon with the smile. Yeah. You know? So, and I didn't even catch on. It goes A to Z with a smile until so the funny. other day. Yeah, I didn't either. But <laughs> That's what perfect, you got to do with absolutely. kids. Absolutely. absolutely. You've got to get them to see, i got to accomplish this first. Mm-hmm. And, like, I specifically tell students when I teach you're not gonna use this in your future life. We were doing proofs the other day. You're not gonna use a proof unless you're gonna become a mathematician. Right. However, the logical reasoning that I'm teaching you, going from use. step one, <laughs> it's the only subject that teaches right, it. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's be honest, it's the only one. You're not even gonna see a proof really on an ACT or SAT yeah. question. Maybe in a different format. <laughs> However, right. but you know, you're gonna, and I do that when mm-hmm. I teach this is an ACT topic. This is an SAT topic. This is this. Bringing that back to real world application. Yes. When am I going to use it and where do I want to go? I love that. And
1: I love that, again, we have so many guests and so many teachers, they go back to building relationships, having conversations that are realistic to the whole child, the whole student. But I love that piece that you just brought in, that element of small steps, because they're overlooked so, so often and so many times. And that what you're doing to scaffold for these different levels and differentiated students can help them overcome something that seems so big and so overwhelming in their mind. Um, For sure. We always ask our guests the same question just to kind of see where you're coming from. But um, our whole podcast is kind of built on this word ignite. So if you were going to ignite anything in our district to kind of spark change and create a shift. What would it be? So
0: I want to ignite the link. So I've actually thought about this because you actually sent me yeah. this. And there <laughs> is one time. thing that I have been passionate for all my years being as a special ed math person is that I would love to see and this is more at the district level, so don't know if it can happen, <laughs> but I would love to see more students included in the classroom. And to do that, I think, for me, I can go in and say, okay, this is this. This is what I need for a third grade level. Right. I'm trained. Not everyone else is. Yeah. I would love to see the special ed department work with the other curriculum areas, and t- especially at the high school level, yeah. and take those standards and come up with a five question. This is what a third grade student would do with this question. Mm -hmm. So that if I'm a history teacher and I'm teaching something on World War II, what is five questions that my access kid could do when it's independent time? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to have them take the notes when all my students are. I'm going to have them do this. But what I'd love to see is that type of coming together. Mm -hmm. So that way we can bridge the gap between just those two programs. And I think if teachers have access to stuff like that, then... Even taking your um, special ed student who is only reading on a second grade level Mm -hmm. and saying, okay, this is what I need them to do to show success in my class. Giving them, it might give the teacher more ideas on, okay, so I'm teaching this. Mm -hmm. Let's first work on building a paragraph with this child. Yeah. Because it might take them all period to write one well-written paragraph where the rest of the class is writing Five-paragraph yeah. essay. Yeah. You know, I think if we can get where they can see real-world examples. Yeah. You know, and that could possibly done at a school level if you have people who are trained. Mm-hmm. But I know at a district level, you have the trained people. Right. You just need them to have the communication. Right. The small steps, <laughs> you know, and working together yeah. to bridge that gap. So you can see this is where a kid can be. This is where they can go. Yeah. i'd love to ignite that i'd love to see that little change happen mm-hmm. because i think it would make for more acceptance and for mm-hmm. me as a first-year teacher who's being told i have to teach this kid i would have a box of tricks that yeah. someone's already come to strategies me when I get stumped. that you feel more comfortable with you know yeah. yeah because let's be honest the more you can have the more mm-hmm. you can try and be like this doesn't work for me right this does work for me. But sometimes it's all about just being able to go in and say, okay, I don't even know what to do. Oh wait, here's five questions. When they're doing their bell work, yeah. I'm gonna give these to this kid. Mm-hmm. Let's see if they can answer these a little bit better. Yeah. and that might be just what's needed to spark that child into investing themselves in that teacher's class. I love
1: that. I've actually done a couple stay chats where um, the teachers would definitely love the answer that you just stated. So I'm glad that you shared that with us. Thank you so much again for joining us and sharing um, not only your story of how you have kind of stayed with Auburndale High for so long. <laughs> we love to hear about that because the investment we value incredibly, but just kind of sharing your um, thoughts and opinions on having high expectations and, and building those relationships with students. So Thank you for having me, I appreciate it. Are you fired up? You can continue to fuel the fire by connecting with us here in Teacher Engagement. Every month, we host virtual all-teacher seminars, and we also have ongoing programs designed to support teachers wherever they're at in their teaching career. Whether you're a new teacher or a teacher leader, there is a way to get plugged in. Follow us on social media at @teachengagePCPS to see all that we have going on. Let's keep that spark alive and join forces with others who have chosen to stay
0: ignited. Thanks for joining us. You can subscribe to the Ignite Project on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or watch online at the Polk County Public Schools YouTube channel. To learn more about the Ignite Project and other Polk County Public Schools podcasts, go to polkschoolsfl.com forward slash podcasts.